couple of things to say. I bring lovely to bring love and greetings from another church. I've been away for the weekend with my wife Hills. We've been down in Hebron Hall on Barry Island. Sarah Cheer for Hebron Hall. Anybody been there? Not yet. Oh, you're missing out. Um, and uh, but Mariners Church have had a weekend away. Mariners Church Church in Gloucester. We've been with them. We've had a great time, and uh, they're very connected with this church. So receive love and greetings from brothers and sisters ten miles away down the road. Rivals in everything, but not in church. Um, I also want to honor Kev, uh, Kevin, who's just shared a testimony here. Some of you probably won't know him. He said, I'm very humbling, I'm a mission partner. That means that he's somebody that we uh, support. He's in full-time employment, but he chooses to spend a lot of his spare time blessing uh, churches and those who are not yet part of churches in Macedonia. And it reminds me to say there's a bunch of us going off to Kenya on Friday as well. Um, and just to commend those kinds of things. It's not that God isn't doing great stuff here. We, this is our home base. This is our mission turf. And we, we want for him to be doing great things here. Amen. But just sometimes what stirs us and what, what, what kind of inspires us is to go on a trip, the kind of trip that Kevin uh, organizes or, or that we organize to Kenya or, or other places. And so I would particularly commend you listen out for the next trip or the first, it actually will be the first trip because it's quite recent, to Macedonia because I think that's going to be incredibly exciting. And because I just did this with the morning congregation a couple of weeks ago, um, indulge me just for a moment. Your possible answers are football, rugby, or neither. Okay? Football, rugby, or neither. Okay? Hands up if you're rugby. Okay? Hands up for football. Hands up for neither. Okay, excellent. As with the morning, rugby has it. Perfect. <laughs> Just enables me to say, any, any Scottish rugby fans in the room today? Scott, bless you, friend. You'll be first up for ministry. Scotland got absolutely drubbed by uh, Japan. Just spare a brief thought, for though, for thousands of fans who have travelled out to Japan for the Rugby World Cup, carrying precious, very expensive tickets in their pockets that they have been saving for for a long time to watch England against France yesterday, and it was cancelled because of the weather, including my firstborn son. Bless him. But he's having a good time. Uh, with, actually, with another, there's two or three others uh, from this church who, uh, sons from this church are out with him. All right, all that out of the way. Walking with God. Walking with God. Walking with God. What is your next step? Wonder what you might think of as your next step, whether that's something that you would immediately kind of begin to uh, have a sense of. If I said to you, do you have a sense of what God might be saying to you in this season? There'll be some in the room who go, yeah, absolutely. There might be others who say, well, that's a really weird question. What do you mean? I don't even understand what walking with God is. Um, and you, again, you're just so welcome if you kind of haven't started a journey yet with, with God. You're just checking things out. I commend Alpha to you this week. Quick bit of trivia then for you. Turn to a neighbor and just tell them what your favorite pair of shoes is. Would you do that just for a moment? Okay, that's your lot. You don't, you don't get long. It can't take that long to say what your favorite pair of shoes is. Few of mine just because I can. Uh, Flip-flops, you, you probably, it won't have escaped your notice already that um, when it comes to clothing, I'm in the more kind of functional rather than fashionable category of bloke. So I don't really care that much, but I do have uh, some favorite shoes based largely on what they do. Flip-flops, definitely my favorite because I'm a sunshine kind of a guy. Uh, I'm not really a formal kind of a person, but when my 
daughter got married last year, my wife said, you must change the, the, the formal shoes that you've got, because I had them for the last 15 years, so I bought a new pair of formal shoes, uh, golf shoes for obvious reasons. Um, walking, I, love, I happen to love walking, blessed to walk, so these are the best walking boots ever, bargain on eBay last year. Um, I'm definitely not real, I've never been a slippers kind of a person, if I'm honest, but somebody gave them to me. And I'm just confessing they're surprisingly toasty. I'm just, you know, just putting it out there. <laughs> Love these, bit worn out now. Those carried me around 26 miles of the London Marathon a couple of years ago. Don't know what your favourite shoes are. We're um, blessed, all of us, to actually... I'll come back to it in a minute. We're, we're blessed, aren't we, to uh, have you know, shoes and provision, and, and most of us, um, all of us in the room, will have a pair of shoes, at least, probably more. And they cover every sphere of life, don't they? They cover all of the, the kinds of uh, activities that we get up to, from the gym, to work, to friends, to uh, running, to golf, to sport, to dance class, all points in between, whatever. It covers the whole of life. When we first arrived here 25 years ago at Trinity, uh, Neil, who's actually sitting at the back there, he was our worship pastor in those days, he had a very special pair of shoes. And they used to live in this building from Sunday to Sunday, because in those days, there was an organ up there. And he used to play a few contemporary worship songs here. And then because we kind of needed to in those days, just to kind of um, smooth the transition over, he would, he would hurtle up there and he'd put on this battered leather pair of old sneakers. They were just horrible, horrible shoes. Um, weren't they, Neil? <laughs> uh, and eventually the organ went and so did the shoes. And actually so did Neil, but he's back, which is lovely. <laughs> but did you notice that um, we, we, don't have, we don't have a spiritual pair of shoes, though, do we? We've got a pair of shoes for every occasion, every day. We think about it, what we're doing, and we'll probably change our shoes a little bit. We don't have a spiritual pair. That's the pair of shoes that I put on when I'm in a holy place, when I'm in a God place, when I'm doing the, the kind of God thing, when I'm praying or, or whatever. In fact, we might take our shoes off to pray sometimes. But we don't have that, that kind of pair of shoes, do we? So we're beginning this series, Walking with God, and it is a series that will last some time, and I'm sure we'll keep coming back to it in different ways. It's a bit of language that we're just using. And it's an age-old theme, of course it is, a, a, a discipleship theme. But we're saying that in every sphere of life, every single sphere of life, not just on these kinds of occasions, whatever shoes we're wearing, what does following Jesus look like? What does making progress with Jesus look like? What does taking a another step in my journey with God look like? Whatever my starting place is. By the way, we're probably about to have an election. And um, there was a slogan, one of the political parties had a slow election slogan a few years ago. It was back to basics. Back to basics, well, they'll probably be a bit more rude and a bit more sharp in the upcoming election, but back to basics was quite a famous uh, election slogan for one of the parties. And I've always thought that back to basics is a really good little thing to tuck away for us. We sometimes could have this impression that the Christian life, journeying with Jesus, is about learning a bunch of stuff, and yeah, we kind of do the basic bit, but then we kind of progress, and we get more and more sophisticated, and we, we get more and more kind of refined in our thinking, and you know, we learn a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm all for learning, I'm all for understanding. But friends, following Jesus, and doing that better and better and better, and developing and growing a relationship with God, and walking with God is essentially all about basic things, just doing them more and more and more, not graduating to some, you know, A-level. We just do basic things again and again and again. It's why we make no apology for again and again coming back to some really foundational things, as we will do in this series. 
Followers of Jesus, what do they do? Well, um, you know, they follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus actually follow Jesus. They don't live as if they're asking Jesus to follow them. The Bible is very black and white on this. Jesus is also black and white on this. He said famously in Matthew, you can't serve two masters. He's referring to money as it happens, but there's a a billion different masters that we might serve. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say, don't serve two masters. Please try not to serve two masters. But you can't serve two masters. It's impossible. So if we're not yet following Jesus, if we're not following Jesus, if we're not wanting for him to be uh, the captain of our ship, as it were, the ship of our life, the Lord of our choices, our finances, our relationships, everything. If we're not being formed and shaped and influenced and transformed bit by bit in his direction, make no mistake, we will be being formed and transformed and influenced and shaped by something else or by someone else. Such powerful forces of of culture around us, obviously. Social media, peer groups, celebrities, all the rest of it, entertainment industry, rationalism, our own limited rational minds, and so on. Who or what is forming you, would you say? Who or what do you want to be forming you? If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, especially. Loads of research out there talking about the kind of formative influences on us and where they come from and the degree to which we underestimate in our slight kind of human pride, the degree to which we are influenced by others, influenced by external things when we think that we're kind of in control and actually it turns out that so many things are having an impact on us, music especially, uh, and and obviously what comes through uh, our screens, the films that we choose, it's so shaping. If you're a follower of Jesus, and I know I'm speaking to many who would get amen to this, as challenging as it is, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you call yourself. In whatever language you use, I'm using that language, you've begun a journey with him, you want him to be the captain of your ship, then the only culture, the only culture that you want to be shaped by is God's kingdom culture. The only influence that you want to be shaping your mindsets and your values and your beliefs and your principles and all of those things that lie in the deepest interior part of us that then express themselves in our character and our behavior and our speech and the way that we relate to one another and the world and our work and the way we see our future and the dreams that we have and the hopes that we hold and the desires that you've got and the longings, all of it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you want all of that to be most shaped, most influenced, most formed by him. By Jesus himself, our friend, our saviour, our rescuer, now the captain of your ship if you've invited him to do that. And of course there are limitations to any, um, to any metaphor, any image. Uh, walking with God is, is an image, but it's a powerful one. And it's about becoming more devoted. It's about learning to grow in actually following Jesus. And put simply, that means organizing ourselves or maybe reorganizing ourselves, our whole lives, whatever shoes we're wearing, around three core principles. Being with him. Becoming more like him. And doing what he did. That's pretty much it. I don't want to be too reductionist. 
But that summarizes most of it. That's a journey of a lifetime, of course it is. It's not just for a meeting on a, on a Sunday evening. It's a way of life. It's shared with others. It's formed in community with others around the teaching, around the example, around the life of Jesus Christ himself. But living that way means to be, by his power, through his spirit, to be transformed in the ways that many of us are yearning for. Authentic, radical change. Really radical. I wonder how up for that. You are. It's not a new image, by the way. Of course, it's not. Back, way back in the, very biblical, way back in the garden. Uh, do you remember uh, the first man and woman, and God walks with them in the cool of the day? Do you know that phrase, God walked with, and they walked with him in the cool of the day? I've often wondered, I wonder what they talked about. There's so much wrapped up in that first story about the principles for human lives fully alive. What did they talk about with God? Genesis 5, but later, Enoch was a character. He walked faithfully with God, just verses straight from the Bible. Noah is described as walking faithfully with God. In Deuteronomy 10, a bit later, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear, fear the Lord your God, that's not to be afraid of him, but it's to have an appropriate respect for who he is, to walk in obedience to him. Micah 6 did a series on this a couple of years ago, to walk humbly with your God. 2 Corinthians 6, I think this is on the screen. God said, to people, to us, I will live with them. Let's call it you. I will live with you. I'll walk among you. And I'll be your God. And you'll be my people. This idea of walking, of movement, of going somewhere. And friends, we know that there is no magic wand. There is no quick steps to follow. It's not a self-help thing. This is a journey of a lifetime. But for those who want to take it, who want to change in this way. We're following Jesus. We want to follow him more. We want to know him. We've begun to know him. We want to know him more. We want to go his way. We want to make a success of life. And I'm sorry to say, well, I'm not sorry to say, unapologetically, to make a success of life means doing life God's way because he's the designer of it. To try and live life in a way that the designer didn't intend to live, that's not going to work. So one of the things that underlies all of these kinds of things is, well, what's our desire? What's our ability? God, is, God respects our desires, right? He respects what we, what we go after. How many uh, counselors does it take to uh, change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change, right? We have to want to change. I think a lot of the time we want a lot of things to change, but probably what a lot of the time we want is our circumstances to change. We'd like less money. We'd like more holiday, please. We'd like less pressure uh, from uh, work or, or whatever. We'd like that friend to be a better, <coughs> better friend to us. We'd like uh, more comfort, please. We'd like clearer guidance. And all of those things are fine. Maybe when it comes, though, to our heart, our character, our values, our principles, our beliefs, the things that actually drive our life, I, I wonder what level of hunger we're bringing to that. Good question to ask ourselves from time to time. So, what is your next step? All that was kind of by way of introduction to this series that will then uh, continue. My little title for tonight is uh, Making Space for Jesus. That's what I've been given to, to, to kick off with. Making Space for Jesus. Kind of corresponds to the first of those three goals, by the way, doesn't it? For doing life with him. Being with him. Kind of starts there, really. Going to dive into scripture then to, to make the meeting legal. Psalm 84 is just a brilliant, brilliant psalm, and, um, and it's going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to read it when I've just had a cough. <coughs> Coffee break. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. 
My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. Even the sparrows found a home, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're forever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, that means sadness, uh, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each of them appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. No disrespect to doorkeepers. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord, blessed is the one who trusts in you. A load of good ingredients, one of those beautiful psalms you, you need to meditate on. But how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. And with slight apology from changing from the, the movement of the walking metaphor to, to the dwelling image. But that's what I've been... Uh, my, my t- God has been drawing my attention to this for, for some time now, and it serves our purposes well. Dwelling. I don't know who wrote Psalm uh, 84. It could well have been David, probably was. He certainly wrote Psalm 27, verse 4, when he said this, One thing I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze at the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. And we might be tempted to go, hang on, that is terribly over the top. That sounds like some super spiritual guy who I really don't want to hang out with too much because he just sounds weird. Gazing at the beauty of the Lord. One thing, only one thing. I've got, um, you know, a job, a full-time job. I've got exams. I've got assessment deadlines. I've got people to see. I've got places to go. Hang on, this dude can, can, can do all of that, but I've got other things to be getting on with besides some other things. Hang on a minute. Who is this? This is David. King David, if you know anything about your Bibles, you know that this is the guy who's head of a whole nation. He's a man after God's heart. He's a shepherd. He's a hunter. Was he's a shepherd, a hunter, a warrior, a worship leader, a songwriter, leader of the nation's army. Extraordinary, successful, powerful person. He had a lot on his plate. He was not some, um, you know, just let's sit around the Christian campfire in La La Land and just kind of sing fluffy songs to each other. He was a high achiever, proactive, busy. Fruitful, successful, hardcore bloke. And he says this, one thing, one thing I seek, one thing I ask, to dwell with you in your presence. And it shaped him for eternity, it shaped him for life. I don't know who you're most inspired by, especially if you've been on the Christian journey a little bit. I tell you, the people that I am most inspired by, by miles, have the privilege to, to meet many, are those typically of older years who have just had a lifetime of dwelling with Jesus. They just cultivated habits and a practice and longings that lead them to dwell in all kinds of different ways, to spend time, to be shaped by him, to allow their heart to be shaped by him and changed by him. And there's a radiance in their eyes. And there's a a sparkle. And there are stories to tell. And there are scars all over the place because they've been through battles and challenges, but God's brought them through and they're still going strong. Those are my favorite people, if I'm really honest. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, the place of your dwelling, Lord. Of course, for the Old Testament people, King David, the time, time the psalm was written, that meant a physical place. Of course it did. It meant Jerusalem, the temple there where God chose to establish his presence. And there may be some of that still going on. We talk about thin places sometimes. I don't have a good theology for this necessarily, but there seem to be some physical places still where God's presence just seems to be more easily accessible. There's a retreat center in the west of Wales, which has become a real favorite for Hills and me. It's called Felder Brennan. If you can get there, it's three hours away. It's worth the trip. It just seems it's, it's, a, it's a holy hill that's been preyed on by Christians for a thousand years. And there's just a sense of the nearness of God. You may have other places. It doesn't need to be that far away. It might be, you know... A seat in your, in, your, in your flat or wherever you're living. Maybe it's this building. I'd say this building to some extent is a thin place. But we're New Testament people. We're not Old Testament people. We're post-Calvary, post-Pentecost people. So clearly when we hear these words, how lovely is your dwelling place, what we're, what we're to hear is an invitation. We're made to enjoy your presence, God. We're people of your presence. We're created for relationship Made to be loved is the most important thing, most true thing about you as you sit here. I'm telling you whether you believe it or not, the most true thing about everyone who sits here tonight is that God made you to love you, and he does. Even if you haven't experienced that love yet or we're in a desert-type place where he feels very absent, but we're made for that relationship. We're made for a God who says, do you know, Tim, I really enjoy spending time with you, and I enjoy it when you enjoy spending time with me, enjoying you. He's that kind of a God. He's personal. We're, we're to live the with God life in every sphere, with our every breath, whatever shoes we're wearing, or even during our sleep when we take off our shoes. And of course, it's really easy to default to something else. Of course it is. Some of us have been brought up on, on religion. Some of us have, have got a perception of all of this, which is a kind of religious thing. We might even call Christianity a religion. I'm telling you, it's not. Jesus did not come to start a religion. But we can default to that. Why? Because it's actually easier than the presence thing. It's a little bit easier than the relationship thing. Just give me a list of rules to follow. Just tell me what to do. And by the way, in an informal kind of uh, let it all hang out kind of a church like this, don't let's imagine that we're immune from that just because we don't bang on about rules and we don't wear uh, 18th century costume and that sort of thing. Don't, don't let any of us think that we're immune from a religious spirit where, where, um, where form becomes more important than substance. Where in our language we can slip into, let's say, kind of Christian cliche without too much heart content behind it. We have our, our religiosity too. We need to be really careful about that. It's a bit like playing with the wrapping paper uh, and not really getting to the, the treasure of the present within. But God's after relationship. The heart of relationship is presence. You, you don't need me to tell you that. Sure, we can have our, our Facebook relationships, and we do, and, and, and different sorts of relationship like that. But the heart of any proper relationship is presence. It's being together. Be with Jesus. Being together. Of course it is. And the currency of relationship is communication. Even through silence, by the way. But there's a communication, isn't there? Our daughter, Becca, she got married uh, last year, roughly. And um, she and her now husband... Uh, they were all about, and rightly so, all about presence, all about communication, all about dwelling. Uh, marriage is, is just the best earthly model for this partnership between God and us. He says so, bridegroom, bride. And, um, but they didn't do that relationship kind of as if it was painting by numbers. It wasn't a functional relationship. I'll, um, you know, I'll speak to you when I need something from you. It wasn't a sporadic relationship. Uh, let's get together every third Tuesday. 
It was not a wet or a kind of tentative relationship. I think you're okay, um, but I'm going to hedge my bets and have you know, three other boyfriends on the side just in case you don't turn out to be too good. God, the bridegroom, is after a bride, not a part-time girlfriend. Why? Because he's interested in presence. He's interested in connectedness and togetherness and intimacy and sharing space and time. So we who accept this invitation and call him uh, Lord, we've become, we have become the dwelling place of God himself. Isn't that extraordinary? Even as I say it, it sends a shiver down my spine. Tozer wrote a book, great saint. Man, woman, the dwelling place of God. Because that's what's now happened. We become his dwelling place. My heart, his home. Of course, it works the other way around too. His heart, my home. It's beautiful. You find both examples in Scripture. I love it. It's a bit like when we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of us would picture that as, as, a, as a, us as a kind of cup, and God pours his Holy Spirit into us, and there's nothing wrong with that image. But equally, there's an image of how about us as a sponge being dipped into a bucket full of water, and we get saturated in that way. The Bible uses both images, and we need to be familiar with both. Why? Because there's a, a, a beautiful mutuality. There's a partnership. There's an indwelling. Paul's favorite uh, expression for Christians was those who are in Jesus. Anyhow, that's all around dwelling. There's a second meaning of dwelling, though. Dwelling goes further, and God really wants to enforce this, and, and I need to hurry along. There's a second meaning. What does it mean for us to dwell? As in to stay somewhere for a while, to linger, to make space. And the implication is that that does take time. It just does. There's no two ways about it. To dwell is not the same as to dash. To linger is not the same as to pay lip service and then run away. One thing, says David, that I may dwell, not pop into the house of the Lord, (laughs) that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord to spend time with him, not glance, gaze on his beauty, not glance. Any way we cut it, if we're going to grow, if we're going to walk with God, if that's your desire, nobody can persuade you to do that, but... We're putting it out there. If that's your desire, if you have hunger to do that, then, of course, it takes time and it takes intentionality because it doesn't happen by accident. Presence, communication. And, of course, whatever that time uh, contains, there are loads and loads of possibilities. It requires us to be intentional about it. Here's a bunch of uh, ways that are coming up on the screen. Thanks, Hudson of spending time with the Lord. There are many, many, many others. Here are a bunch of different ways of dwelling. These are very familiar words to us on the screen. I'm not telling you anything or showing you anything that you haven't seen before, but remember back to basics, remember that? Isn't it amazing how easily we drift away? And these kinds of things, Bible, solitude, silence, worship, Sabbath, fasting, prayer, a whole bunch of other things we could add. Please let's not read them as a kind of Great healthy habits, and we, and we know all about them, that are kind, some kind of religious tick list. And if we just cultivate all of those, then automatically we'll have a great relationship with God and we'll walk brilliantly with him. I'm not saying that. But they are key practices. Actually, they're God-given practices that help us to grow with him. They help us position ourselves to walk with him. And actually, we won't grow without them. I'll say this as kindly as I can, but if you're not reading your Bibles then you're cutting off the main source of God's communication to you, which is the currency of relationship. And therefore, we cannot grow unless we're reading the word of God. We can't grow 
we won't grow. I don't say that in any sense in, a, in an accusatory way. It's just a reality and a fact. And by the way, Sabbath is in that list. Did you know that Sabbath is, also appears in the same list as don't kill people? Do you remember that in the Old Testament somewhere? I'm sure I read that somewhere in Exodus. Keep the Sabbath. There's an interesting challenge for us. It suggests to me it's pretty important, and on and on. One of the things that we've just done, it uh, just kind of hooks into this series a little bit. We're just developing a bit of a resource to help us in these kinds of areas. Uh, some folks have been working on a bank of resources called Walking with God. You've seen some of the, the stuff. There's freebie um, wristbands to take away, and you've probably got a little uh, bookmark and so on. But there's a, there's a website that is now attached to the Trinity website. I'll just show it you really quickly, just so that you know that it's there. So here's the, the homepage of our Trinity site. Top left, now the menu's changed. So if we click Walking with God there, takes us to a, a kind of homepage for that thing. It goes straight to the habits. Uh, Hudson, thanks so much. And just scroll down a little bit. So here's a whole bunch of practices being filled with the Spirit, Bible reading, community, Keep going, keep going. Dealing with the past, fasting, forgiving, giving generously, living simply. Stop there for a minute. Sabbath prayer. And there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of others and more to come. Um, just click on the prayer one. Okay, so prayer would take us to this kind of thing, a little bit of an explanation. So kind of what is prayer? Why does it matter? Short. And then something like first steps. So if you're somebody who's completely new to all of this, no idea where to begin with prayer, a little bit of help with that. Go, go on a bit more. And then a whole bunch of resources going deeper, uh, which we can filter in different ways. So if we're looking for books, so there's a bunch of book titles, try audio. You have some audio teaching. Just scroll down so we can see what that is. Okay, well, no, that's fine. Go on. So this is internet. Click that middle one there, the prayer course. This is Pete Gregg's prayer. Just click it. That takes us straight through. It's a link straight through to a fantastic resource called um, The Prayer Course by Pete Gregg. Okay, thanks, Hudson. That'll do. Just a, just a website. It's pretty rudimentary at the moment. It's in development. We need your feedback and refining and so on. But it will evolve. It will help us. If you're somebody who's going, how, 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 how? How do I do this? How? I get uh, that there's a bunch of practices, and, I, and I'm wanting to grow, and I'm wanting to, to walk with the Lord. Well, that may be a place to, to begin to head. Of course, there's bookshop and all sorts of other things. If you're anything like me, um, though, when you, you look at a list like that, to some extent you go, yeah, 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 what's new? And if you're also a bit like me, you look at the list and you do a bit of mental audit and you go around and you go, worship, yep, got that, love it, always have worship on in the background, put it on my headphones when I'm going into, the, into university, whatever. Bible reading, nah, not, not so good on that, but at least I'm better than the person sitting next to me, I know that for a fact. Um, and we get into this sort of, I'm okay at that one, I'm not so okay at that one. Friends, can I just say that's really rubbish? Can we, can we, and also it can pile on the guilt as well. Um, all the smugness, one or the other, neither is very good. Or it piles on anxiety. Or it piles on unworthiness. I just, I'm just in a different league. I don't really know what he's talking about. I can't do that. Can we get rid of all of those things? It's amazing how easily our mindsets become religious. That's religious thinking, by the way, right there. That's not grace-filled thinking from a loving, compassionate God who longs for us to walk with him, delights in you, whether you do or whether you don't, by the way, but just this beautiful, loving invitation. Do life with me. And here's a bunch of things that are just going to contribute to that and help foster that relationship. So the coulda, shoulda, woulda stuff, it's all out. But they are invitations to dwell. And I'm not going to go uh, through any of them. I haven't got time tonight because uh, that's something that we, we need to foster and go after ourselves. I'll just mention that a few things I've found just really personally in the last sort of season of my life to add. Maybe it's under kind of prayer or dwelling or something like that. And maybe, I don't know if this is more true for blokes, I don't want to stereotype too much. I'm not sure that we're great at expressing stuff out aloud. 
One of the things that's really blessed me uh, is to walk in the park and, and spend time with God, but also to, to use that time to speak aloud to him. To, to, it's amazing that, for one thing, it keeps me focused. I'm so easily distracted. I know none of you are just distracted. I know absolutely none of you get distracted by you know, apps or BBC Sport or Twitter or the kind of stuff which is, is fatal for me. But to speak out loud... To have conversations with God aloud just helps me focus. Same thing when I'm writing. I never used to, I regret that I'm not a great journaler. I didn't start that in the first 20 years of my Christian journey, but for the last 20, I have. I tell you, it's amazing. And I don't mean great essays, or sometimes if I'm in the mood. It could be a a shout, it could be a prayer, it could be a, I think this, whatever, whatever. Just writing stuff down. It helps me in the act of dwelling. Reminders through the day, so easy to set a phone. I'm sure some of us do that. I set mine at 7, 1, 4, and 7. It's kind of biblical reference, Mars bar to anybody who tells me what it is later. I've got a little five-minute sand timer on my desk. Copy this from another church leader. He says, sometimes I just have five-minute vacations with God. Not to do anything, just to enjoy him enjoying me. So kick back from the desk or whatever you're doing, turn the sand timer over, five-minute vacation with God, dwelling purposeless, doesn't feel significant, rubbish. What could be more significant than intentional time, dwelling with God, fostering a relationship, sometimes not feeling anything at all, by the way. Don't imagine that all of this is accompanied by great feelings. It's not, but sometimes it is. Daily walk, retreats, by the way, wasn't a great retreater, I commend that practice. Get away, carve some time out, put something in the diary. Has to be intentional, it never happens by accident, does it? Take, take time aside to ask. There's a famous bit in uh, Mark 9 where Jesus heals uh, a, a demon-possessed boy and the disciples say, we couldn't do that. Why, why couldn't we do that? And he says, this, this sort only come out by prayer and fasting. And it's quite a famous passage for the bit about prayer and fasting. Actually, the really interesting bit to me is the disciples asked him. They took time to be with Jesus and go, can you explain what happened there? What were they doing? They were spending time with Jesus because they wanted to walk with God more faithfully and obediently and do the kind of things that Jesus did. The very thing, I know what's going through some of our heads, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, yes, Tim, yes, God. Don't listen to my words, tune into his if you can. I am so for this, I so believe this, I'm so longing for this, I want to grow, I want to dwell, I'm fully on board. It seems tougher, it's a challenge, the very thing that I want to do, a bit like Paul, I find myself not doing. I kind of berate myself. That's not too good, by the way. There are loads of reasons, of course, why we, why we don't. I'll just name, name a couple, and then we're going to pray. I don't have time. I don't know if anybody would, would ever come up with that, but I don't really have time for all of this dwelling, Tim. I, I identify with the kind of um, you know, thing that you're saying, but I've got a really, really busy life. I've got a whole load of demands on me and all of that, and um, I just want to say grac- graciously, gently, uh, we find time for the things that we value. We just do. We find times, time. I don't think we make time. I think God gives us time. But we find the time. We allocate the time for things that we value. Survey your life. You'll find that's basically true. Of course, our life contains a whole bunch of things that we don't necessarily value that we have to do anyway. But if, we say, if we're saying, I don't have time, we're effectively saying that God got it wrong. This thing, God, that you're asking us to do that is part of our relationship, I haven't got time for it, so you got it wrong. 
You didn't, you didn't, in your great design for life, you didn't quite get that right because you didn't put 25 hours in a day or eight days in a week, so I can't really uh, do it your way. Is that what we're saying to God? God, you got it wrong. Good luck with that. Yeah, we'll create time for the things that we value. I'll do it later would be the second demonic lie. Every, every lie is from the enemy, by the way. Straight from the pit of hell. I'll do it later. Doesn't seem, seems quite an innocuous lie, doesn't it? No, you won't. All of our experience says, no, you won't. I'll do it later. No, you won't. One of these great deceptions. Put it off. We find time for the things that we value. So, what is your next step? Valuing dwelling with God enough to continue to make it happen to continue to form that habit that many, many, many in the room have already formed and love and would say, yes, this is part of who I am. It goes through its cycles, but I'm committed to this because I'm committed to the more of God that he wants to reveal to me. Dwelling with God enough to make it happen. That's to position ourselves then, isn't it, for growth and for blessing and for transformation and for fruitfulness in his kingdom and for step by step walking with him. So what's your next step? What's he saying? Let's stand together. Might want to close your eyes. It's kind of helpful usually to keep out distractions. And for those who are new, we begin to end at this point or begin to wrap up. There's uh, companies to enjoy and there's refreshments and togetherness. And Nick or somebody will probably tell us if there's anything special happening. But we, we actually consider this to be one of the most significant things that we do when we gather in this building. Maybe new to some, just, just, just roll with it. where we kind of got a bit of space to answer before God that question, so what? Now what? Now what? I believe that God's already been speaking loud and clear into many hearts. Maybe a bit more vaguely into some others, you're not quite sure. Maybe you don't feel you've heard his voice. Holy Spirit, we say come. We say, underline the things that you've already begun to, to draw our attention to, the, the one thing, the two things, whatever it is, wherever you're, you're focusing our attention. We've prayed it. Thank you for answering that, quest, that prayer, Lord, in a way that we can grab hold of. We are so, so grateful. The idea that the God of the universe would love us enough to answer little prayers from little people like us. Because you love us, Father, and you've got only good things for us. We are so, so grateful. So Spirit, would you underline those things? Would you magnify them? Would you highlight them? Would you bless us in these moments to know what it is to go, what's the next step for me? And kind of know that we're not making that up. And Father, we're done with trying to impress you. We're not about that. 
We're done with trying to be good Christians. We're asking that you just grow our hunger and our passion and our desire to do life with you, to walk with you, to allow you to lead us and help us and guide us and do it your way. And we have no problem saying that by ourselves we cannot do that. We recognize our weakness, we confess our vulnerability, but we come before you as sons, as daughters, in authenticity. We say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that there's grace for us. Thank you that you're not waiting, arms folded, for us to get our act together. Thank you that you already approve of us. Thank you that you're longing to lead us, you're longing to fill us. You're longing for us to enjoy you, enjoying us. To resource us for life. To give us what we need. To strengthen us. Whatever our needs. Thank you, Father, too, that you know every single need in this room tonight. And you meet us at our point of need. You promise to supply our needs according to the riches in glory in Jesus. So we thank you for that promise. We take a hold of it now. We say, Lord, would you supply and meet us in our place of need? Come. Just going to leave some quiet for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. I really believe that the Holy Spirit is stoking some, some fires tonight. Especially uh, some fires that have died down quite a bit. You'd resonate with the idea, the picture that somebody had of, of embers, you know, when a fire sort of subsides a bit. And it's, it's not that it's gone cold. It's just that there's some bellows to be put on it. The Holy Spirit is described, it means that he means the breath of God. It's as if God is blowing on those embers and, and, and bringing a fire. And that fire is just a desire. You might not even have words for it. That's okay. It's just a desire. It's a longing. You just recognize that your hunger is growing. Your, your passion is stirring for, for God and the more of God. I'd love for you to be the first group. I'm going to name a, a, a few things, but if, if that's you, just know that God is stoking the fire, stoking passion, stoking hunger and desire. We just love to pray for you. That's what we do here. And to do that, we just need some space, so I invite you to come. This is a safe place, and it's not to expose anybody. Just make your way forward. If that's you, you know God is just stirring your hunger, your hung and, or you're hungry to be hungry. He's stoking that within you because you recognize that there's, there's, a, there's a, a, an energy about that. That causes good things to happen. That's right. Just make your way forward. Just come. Just come. Stay engaged with him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More hunger. Just come. Just come. It's a pretty basic kind of starting place, isn't it? But it's God-inspired. There'll be some folks who'll come and pray in a minute. If you want to tell them why you've come to the front, that's kind of handy. You don't have to. They'll pray anyway. But if we could have some folks to begin now, that would be great. Because we know that for these folks here, God is stirring passion. And he's stirring a hunger for the more of him. Without which progress will be slow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. More from you. Uh, For some of us, we're recognizing that our relationship with God, relationship with Jesus, has become quite religious. It's a little bit about performance. It's a little bit about doing the right thing. It doesn't seem to be kind of too centered on presence and intimacy and dwelling with Him. A bit routine, maybe. God wants to, to, to bring life to that. So if that's you, why don't you come? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For the rest of us, you, 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 let's continue in this conversation with God. We can, we can watch what's happening. There's, that, that, that's okay. But actually, the invitation is that we're all included here, wherever we are. Whatever shoes we're wearing, you continue your conversation with God. Maybe somebody next to you can can pray for you for them. I've still got a few more things to say, but I'm just urging us, grab a hold of everything that God has got for you tonight. A couple of specific things. Some folks in the room who you've had dreams um, and you've even had promises from God, but you've put them in a drawer because they don't seem to have come to fulfillment yet. And so a way of coping with the disappointment of that is to put them away. I think God tonight is wanting to to, to resurrect uh, old God-given dreams and old promises that you've forgotten and put away because they don't seem to have happened yet. If that's you, if that resonates with you, you'll know. You just come forward. I think the Holy Spirit, there's a line in the song, I think the Spirit spoke to me through that. It's a, I can't forget the exact line, but it's about uh, trusting Him rather than understanding Him. Or I'll trust you um, rather than seek to understand you. Understanding is good, but it's This is the Christian faith, not the Christian knowledge. There's a trusting that is needed. And for trust, we don't need so much understanding. We need to know who God is. We need to know the nature of God. So if you're hooked up, if you're caught up on trying to understand, and you're wrestling with understanding before committing to a relationship, then I'd love to invite you forward. I'd love to invite you forward. That would be a brave thing to do, but I'd love to to, to pray with you. We could do with some more folks to come and pray. That'd be great. Men, women, especially if you just consider yourself part of this church. It's just a way of blessing people. Thanks, Susie. Alice was talking about winter into spring. And I don't believe this is a prophetic word that God will make your winter into spring. That's your longing, but only he can change the seasons. If you're in a winter and you know it, and it's painful and difficult and barren, You need grace, God's grace to keep going, to persevere. If that's you, please don't leave the building without getting prayer. Just come and say, I'm in winter.